welcome back to season four of Pathways by Grenadian Steam, the podcast where we chat with West Indian professionals at home and in the diaspora who have worked in one or more of the fields of science, technology, engineering, architecture, or mathematics to understand what led them to choose the path they did, the successes, failures, and learnings they've had along the way, and in general, what careers are out there. This season, in addition to debuting full video episodes on YouTube and Spotify to help you feel more engaged, we will be including our members, both students and professionals, in the conversations, inviting them to share their own thoughts, ideas, and experiences on the topics brought up by our guests. This is in an effort to encourage and normalize discussions among people of all ages and levels within society. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the journey on today's Pathway. Our guest for today is Josh Hector, a licensed psychologist from Grenada and a proud Caribbean national. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in General Studies with emphasis in guidance and counseling from Jamaica Theological Seminary and a Master of Science in Counseling Psychology from the University of the West Indies, Cave Hill. He has functioned in the roles of guidance counselor at Halfway Tree Primary School in Kingston, Jamaica, and counseling psychologist at a Barbadian agency called Paredos, which stands for Parent Education for Development in Barbados, out of which he was actively involved in school and community outreach programs. In Grenada, Josh is the founder and counseling psychologist at Optimal Solutions, where he offers counseling, psychotherapy, teletherapy, workshops, seminars, and employee assistance programs. In line with his focus on self-development, Josh is currently pursuing his doctorate in clinical psychology at California Southern University. He is also the treasurer of the Grenada Psychological Association and an executive council member at large within the Caribbean Alliance of National Psychological Associations. Being a helping professional at heart, he considers it a blessing to interact with others and share insightful tips to practical and effective living. Josh, welcome to Pathways. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with us today a little bit about your experiences, what you've learned, and what it is that you do as a psychologist. The pleasure is mine. So to get things started and give the listeners a little overview of who you are, I'm going to ask you five pretty quick questions just to lay the groundwork. Okay. So first of all, tell us where specifically did you grow up? So specifically, uh, I grew up in in St. David's. Um, Okay. Right. To be exact, a small community called Pedmata. Okay. Right. Yeah. St. David's. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved around a little bit thereafter, but I can safely say that my childhood um, into early adolescence was spent in that region. Okay. That's it. And can you list for us every school that you've attended from childhood up to this point? <laughs> <laughs> right. So... The very first school I attended was a school, a school that actually is, it, it no longer exists, um, called Hosanna Christian Academy, where I went to pre-primary school and primary school. And my, my class five class would have been 
the final class five class. Like after that, yeah. when we graduated, the school closed down thereafter. Okay. Uh, then after this, I moved on to Presentation Brothers College and TAM CC. And beyond that, uh, I that is where I went to JTS in Jamaica. Okay. Uh, and Cave Hill to do my master's and now my doctorate is being done at an American school called California Southern University. Okay, thank you. So as a student, a young student, so secondary school, primary school, what type of a student would you describe yourself as or would others have described you as? Naturally gifted. Okay. To be very honest, I don't recall studying in primary school. Mm -hmm. Not even for common entrance at the time. I just remember reading a lot of books, storybooks in my spare time. That was definitely a pastime. I started reading early and I read a lot of books. And I did that more than studying. I was very diligent with my homework and assignments and and things like that. I Mm -hmm. definitely stayed on top of the work. But in primary school, in my earlier years, I think naturally gifted would have described me, although that might have run out at a, at a later point. Right? But, um, <laughs> it always does. <laughs> <laughs> naturally okay. gifted, for sure. Nice. All right. And so what was the, the first job that you ever took on or first thing you ever did to make money? The first thing I ever did to make money was actually... A, Christmas, a job for Christmas at, at this store in town. Okay. Um, Sunshine, that's the name of that store. Yeah, yeah. I, I worked there for like two weeks <laughs> during Christmas. That was my very first job. Okay. Do you remember how old you are? I, I could have been like 13. Okay. Oh, yeah. Starting early. And your current job or profession, you kind of gave that away already, but. Yeah. So I'm a full time psychologist at the moment. Great. Okay. So now we have the lay of the land. Um, I want to dig into a little bit more details on some of the maybe experiences that have led you to where you are today. Right. So it's, it's my understanding that initially you wanted to become an HR professional. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Was, was that out of secondary school or at what point did you decide on that? Hmm. This may have originated late in secondary school, okay. if I remember correctly, but more so during TAM CC. Okay. I, I guess I was just interested in, in human resource management. I think that resulted from the fact that my dad was an HR manager. Okay. I think he, you know, he was a technician and then he became an HR manager. And so it kind of looked interesting. So I could safely say that is how I became exposed to HR. And that must have been the reason why I wanted to do it. Got it. Okay. And so did you actually begin taking steps to to follow that path? Yes, because at TAM CC, I did an associate's degree in in business studies. Got it. So the natural progression for me would have been to perhaps go to SGU and do an undergraduate program in business studies and then move to HR thereafter. 
So then what happened along the way that drew you into psychology? So let me let me put a disclaimer out to say that my experience is, is not prescriptive. It's not something that I think other people should try to adopt because it worked for me. It really might not work for everybody. Um, I literally went kicking and screaming, basically, wow. to the Vega <laughs> Theological Seminary. Like, I, I really did not want to be there. Okay. Um, Tell us and, more about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, it, <laughs> it resulted from, I guess, a, a struggle between myself and my dad, who felt like it's something that I should have done, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just, that was not in view for me at all. And I ended up, ultimately, when I recognized that I literally had no choice, I ended up looking through the programs and choosing the shortest one, which was an advanced bachelor's degree in general studies with an emphasis in guidance and counseling. And my thought was, I'm going to get in and get out, right? Mm -hmm. So just uh, to clarify, was the intent of this to become a psychologist or just to give you some, what, what was the goal from your father, I guess, at that point? Yeah, I, I think he, <laughs> he he perhaps did not consider uh, me, me even becoming a psychologist. I think he wanted me to do some kind of a, a biblical study. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. In in life, um, and that's that's definitely not what I wanted to do. And the reason why I'm saying that I'm not prescribing it is because I really don't want some parent out there to hear this and be like, ah, this, this could work and this is what we should do. Yes. No, that, this is just my story. <laughs> Fair and enough. so I actually did just a couple Bible study courses, but the, the bulk of my, my coursework was actually psychology related. Okay. Right? Um, intro to psych theories and techniques of psychology, uh, psycholo- psychological assessment and, and so on. I even had to do a practicum at a primary school in Kingston. Right. After three primary school. And somewhere in the midst of doing this thing that I really was supposed to just jump into and then jump out as quickly as possible after two years, mm-hmm. I fell in love with the discipline. Wow. And uh, so much so that I really did not see myself doing anything else, especially after getting that practical experience. And so before I graduated, I actually applied to UE Cavehill. A week or so before graduation, I got a call that said, hey, um, we, we got 90 applications throughout the region. We only accepted 15, and you are one of the 15. Wow. What did that application look like? Just curious. Just a standard school application or were there other requirements? Well, of course I had to, you know, the the whole transcript references, I had to do a a personal statement, just talk about myself and why I wanted to do this program and I, I was successful. Okay. And so I had a summer break and went straight to grad school. 
thereafter. Okay, so at this point, kind of, you know, cold to hot, all of a sudden you're, you're into psychology and this is what you want to do. Was there any point after that where you were concerned that, you know, maybe this wasn't the right choice? <laughs> yes, there was a point. Actually, after completing my, my master's degree in Barbados, I actually during the, the, that period, I decided I was going to just remain there. Right. And uh, apply for permanent residence. And I was well on the way to just remain in Barbados. And then I got this nudge to come back home, which I was really in two minds about, but I did so eventually. And it was rough because I came home expecting to be employed in psychology and and help the community and do all these great things because I was I was being helpful in another country and and so it follows that should I come back home, of course I would be able to do this. Right. But it didn't work out that way because I sent out a lot of applications, had some spectacular interviews because I. I was never really nervous going into an interview. And so the interviews went well and people went as far as telling me, well, this is what you're going to be paid and, and all that stuff. And meanwhile, after waiting for feedback for some time and then calling, I get to find out, oh, we gave somebody else a job. So that was very rough for me. And I really started feeling as if Perhaps I made a mistake. Perhaps this is not it. I started one job uh, immediately when I when I got home. It did not last a couple months because it wasn't a, a good fit. It was frustrating to me and, and my employer at the time. So I just decided to, to walk away from it. And lo and behold, this is where the story gets particularly interesting. Okay. Because Having been a musician all my life, mm-hmm. I actually, myself and my brother, with you know the help of a family friend who, who was a sponsor, we started a band and we were full-time musicians for three years, as in with music paying the bills yes. in Grenada, right? And somewhere along the line, I began to feel as if, well, perhaps this is where I need to be. Okay. But so, something. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just to, I don't want to cut your story, but just to understand, when you got back, what were some of the options that were available to you in terms of where you could apply for jobs? So I was pretty much applying to educational institutions. Okay. Right? Uh, both um, secondary and tertiary. Okay. To fill roles related to um, counseling of some kind. Okay. Got it. And there were vacancies. So it's not that I was just applying and, you know, um, without being aware of vacancies. There were vacancies. But none of those worked out. Got it. Okay. After, after um, 
leaving the first job that I worked here officially, I chose to be a musician full time. And that worked out. You paid the bills. I paid the bills. I paid the bills, you know, and there was hope for expansion and all of that. But lo and behold, during a performance, a gentleman came and walked up to me um, while we were on a break and said, hey, I heard you have a master's degree in psychology. Meet me at my office. Let's talk. All right. A gentleman from SGU huh? who, who um, was very, very instrumental in, I guess, he, he kind of touched the button that that caused me to end up back in psychology because I had, truth be told, I had forgotten about it. That's the honest wow. truth. Yeah. Like, master's degree, I was like, well, at least I have that, but perhaps this is not what not it should calling. be. Mm. Right? Okay. Um, and... So he said to me, and, and I, I'll refer to him, I, I'm sure he might not mind, a doctor, Omar Wali Amuleru Marshall. Very, very good, good friend and, and brother I know. Um, he, when I met with him, he said, basically, I, I heard you have this degree. Uh, find a place and I'll help you out. I'll, I'll actually help you get it going. And do you think I was interested in that? Not very. <laughs> Not so really. Was, was he a psychologist? Or... Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, he, he, he was. Right. Um, with more emphasis in public health, but, but he, he was definitely a psychologist as well. Okay. And some months passed, and then I recognized, wait a minute, he planted a seed that obviously it started growing. It germinated, it started growing, and I couldn't wrestle with it any longer. I went back to him, and uh, if I went back to him in February of 2016, by March, I had my first practice up and running. Wow. And so this is Optimal Solutions? No. Oh, okay. So there's you know, my step first to this. practice actually was called uh, Lighthouse Development Center, and it. Uh, um, it was further away from town. Mm -hmm. It was in St. Paul's, and how it really began was that I I was doing pro bono work for the government, basically. Right, mm -hmm. I I was seeing clients from the public sector for a period because there was this pilot employee assistance program going on. Okay. So how did, how did that connection begin? So he helps you find a location, right? And then he helped the connection as well. Got it. Okay. Recommended me. Okay. For um, there were a few people in the original meeting, but ultimately when the smoke cleared, I was literally the only one actually seeing those clients. So how, how long did that go on for and how was that experience? Well, the first year or so, 
of it. Close to a year, yeah. Um, I was doing it pro bono while still doing music now. So okay. so I did not drop music altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, music was still paying the bills. So I was working that job at night and doing psychology during the day. I see. Right. And so that lasted for just about a year pro bono until um, it, it, it moved past that. And then I was actually getting paid for it. Um, the program went on for some time. Of course, I there have been, you know, I guess some changes, variations to it, uh, to know. But that was really the first, my first point of contact with with people and the public and clients. Right. This this employee assistance program, which through the public sector exposed me to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so. Well, I, I could go two ways with this, but what was that kind of, was that experience all you needed to kind of propel you back into the world of psychology or or was there another, another trigger? So there was another trigger. Okay. Because just about two months or three months into this arrangement with the public sector, I was also doing workshops and and presentations, seminars for groups of people from the public sector. And I, w- I was doing a workshop with, with a partner who practically said to me, hey, um, I think you would make a good lecturer. And truth be told, the following, by the following January, I was lecturing at St. George's University part-time. Up, up until uh, March of 2020, May of 2021. Wow. I was lecturing at St. George's Is that University. something that you had ever seen for yourself? Never. I actually it. never wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm seeing such a thread in like different people that I'm talking to on this podcast where their like trajectory in life is either changed by the people that they meet or the experiences that they just kind of open themselves up to that they, they weren't planning on. Right. So. And, and that is definitely the case for me. Uh, the way, the way my life is, is set up now, if I look at the fact that I initially did not even want to move back to Grenada, mm-hmm. right. To moving back to Grenada to, all the bits and pieces. It, it, it seemed kind of disorganized, but I could see a thread through the entire thing that right. led me to this point. It was not as disorderly as it as it felt at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I started lecturing, of course, that sharpened my my knowledge in psychology because I was also interacting with the material and I started doing other things where I reached out to the private sector to do this, the same type of employee assistance program um, to offer that to their organizations and 
the employees. And um, that also began to work out as well. Okay, so that was that was accepted. Yes. The majority of people at least. Well, or, I mean not maybe not the I majority, but uh, <laughs> a decent amount. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. All right. So well, now I'm gonna ask you a little bit about maybe the practice or or just therapy and mental health in general in Grenada. Um because right. I honestly didn't even know that we had employee assistance programs at, at any level mm-hmm. in Grenada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a few other things that you would hear from locals is, you know, they don't trust these people. They don't trust therapists. Mm-hmm. They, all their yeah. business going to be on the street or they right. don't even know where to go that someone like you exists. So can you speak to any of those concerns from a national perspective or from specifically what you've experienced in your practice? Okay, so interestingly, there is there's a, a movement that remains secretive simply because people are not going to walk around shouting loudly that I I I attend therapy or I go to the psychologist. But Let's put it this way. When I had my first practice from then to now, then I was perhaps looking at one or two clients per week. That is a lot different now. People are actually interested in reaching out to access this service. Good. Right? Good. It is, so I hear people talking about the stigma and the apprehension but right under their noses, there's so much movement in this field right now that it's, it's, it's almost immeasurable because people are definitely reaching out, making contact. Hey, I need help. Can I book a session? I would like to see somebody. I have this issue, I have this challenge, and I need professional help. I'm seeing this now more than I've ever seen it. I love to hear that. And that's, I, I would love for us to get to the point where it's okay to talk about it. You know, it's okay to say, yes, I go to counseling. You should go to that kind of thing, but baby steps. Right. Yeah. And you know, the confidentiality issue where people feel as if their information is going to leak out. The truth be told, I, I speak for myself and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful right that the other persons in the in the discipline right my colleagues are are definitely maintaining i have i can't speak for everybody but i have confidence in the people that i know that they are actually being ethical in in the the handling of people's information because we are both morally and legally bound to operate with confidentiality, right? The only time we are mandated to breach confidentiality is if a person indicates that they plan to kill somebody, they have concrete plans to kill somebody, to kill themselves, or that a child or vulnerable adult is being abused, then and only then can we breach confidentiality to make a report. One, 
for safety's sake to protect somebody, and two, if not, we actually become uh, accessories to a crime. Right. Because we knew and we said nothing. Yeah. Right. Um, I have never had an issue with this, nor do I plan to start. Because it protects me, the professional, my reputation, as well as it protects the client. And so that's great to hear. Um, but another thing that people may be uncomfortable with that I've heard people talk about is that Grenada is so small that, you know, you will, I know generally like in bigger countries, you would say you would maintain certain distances or relationships, professional relationships with your clients. But yeah. in Grenada, it's likely that you're probably going to see a client, they'll see you outside of a session. Right. How is that addressed, if at all? So it's really addressed for the client in, in, in this way, just so that you, you know, as much as I'm protecting your confidentiality, you have to do so as well. I'm not going to, and Grenada is different. If we look at the international guidelines, for example, that may say um, you're, you're not going to treat with anybody who is even an acquaintance, like somebody you know around, yeah. well, to an extent, that is that is a bit impractical in Grenada. Right. Right? But when, if and when such a person is met, and no, you don't see close friends and, and um, family members, for example, but if such a one is met in a public space, they already know that we are not going to be talking about anything related to the sessions. No, I've had some people kind of go ahead and, and shout, hey, I want to book another session next week, you know? Oh, right. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you kind of get that, but um, not in excess. Mm -hmm. People generally understand that there's a code that, that we operate by where we're not going to have that type of conversation somewhere in public. Okay. With an, an understanding, mutual understanding with the clients. Great. Keep listening. We'll be right back after a short break. Enjoy a stay at True Blue Bay Boutique Resort, a family-run, eco-friendly waterfront resort in the beautiful island of Grenada. Choose between tropical rooms, suites, or villas, and enjoy complimentary breakfast, access to four pools, guided water sport activities, as well as the option for spa treatments, yoga classes, diving, and snorkeling trips. Relax by one of the pools and get drinks served to you from the poolside bar, or go adventuring the coastline on our kayaks, finding turtles, eagle rays, or even lobsters. Perfect for families, couples, and single travelers, True Blue Bay Resort has something for everyone. Email reservations at truebluebay.com for bookings and inquiries. So what exactly, you mentioned that you had this previous um, EAP program and so on that you got started with. What led you to the founding of Optimal Solutions, which you're currently working out of? Well, Optimal Solutions um, really, I guess it was, it was a, a transition into a, a new place, uh, a new situation, new season. Mm -hmm. um, life has hardly ever been static for me and so um, 
the time came when when a sort of a rebranding, I guess, had to take place. And um, Optimal Solutions is is so well, it's ambiguous to a, in a in a sense. It it does not necessarily say counseling services, uh-huh. right? Or or counseling clinic or psychotherapy center which is pretty much a bit in your face. This is what we do. Yeah. Um, I was pretty much just rolling with the landscape and, and rather than um, a name that would perhaps kind of clash for some people when they look at it and they don't want to walk in mm-hmm. to this space if mm-hmm. the sign is next to the road, for example. Um, going to optimal solutions is it's I guess it's easier in that regard okay. because some people interestingly thought that um, my services were optical services <laughs> you know but when you when you really um, look at it carefully yeah, optimal solutions fits because what we offer are those optimal solutions and, and mm-hmm. that tagline tagline is for a better life. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And could you just share briefly what some of the services that you provide are? We stated them in the, in the bio, but just to explain to people, you know, what they can get. So there's counseling and psychotherapy and you cannot, I guess people, may mistake those two. What is the mm-hmm. difference between counseling and psychotherapy? When we talk about counseling, it's really a situation where a person may find themselves uh, stuck between two decisions and they just need to bounce their situation off somebody who is, who is going to help them navigate through the issues and decide on their own, not deciding for them, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're careful not to tell people what to do. And so this is where counseling comes in. It is not necessarily ad- giving advice, um, but there is a form of guidance in there okay. where you, you guide a person to um, an end result that is beneficial to them. Psychotherapy now deals with uh, resolving emotional distresses, emotional and psychological distresses. It could be uh, a situation that is happening or has happened and the effect is lingering, then psychotherapy will focus on that, that resolution that restores emotional and psychological well-being to the individual. Right. Um, also do teletherapy, which is via this medium, right? Yeah. But it's teletherapy is is really the term given to counseling or psychotherapy that is done virtually. R- right. right. Then there's the employee assistance program, which is a program that is sponsored by the employer mm-hmm. and would allow for a certain number of sessions uh, for the employee per month. Uh, anything beyond that, they would have to pay for themselves. 
the employee assistance program that I favor is the household model approach that does not only consider the employee in isolation, but if there's an issue at home, then a family member can actually access that the service. Yeah, immediate. Not a distant cousin donor. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> My whole family <laughs> needs services. Yeah. I, I love that. I really love that. Because I, like I said, I didn't know that was available. Um, I've I've been able to access that when I used to work in the US. And it's it's a great, even just a good mm-hmm. like entry point into something if you're not sure that you know you really want to commit to therapy, but hey, it's it's included in the job benefits. So try right. one or two and then yep you're able to get into it. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Yes. Um, workshops and seminars, uh, which focus on a host of psychoeducational uh, topics like uh, emotional intelligence, for example, mm-hmm. being able to understand oneself in the context of other people, conflict resolution, anger management, stress management, um, grief, grieving, right? Which is a big deal. Personal awareness. You know, the, the list can go on and on. I, there are a number of um, topics that would come up in these sessions. What I have been doing also is something that I do not... It's available, not that I, I I look forward to it. It's a service that I would rather not have to um, deliver. That is the critical incident stress debriefing that comes when an employee or coworker dies, for example, or there is a robbery or some type of traumatic workplace uh, event, then I also do the stress debrief sessions for the employees, particularly those who would have been directly uh, impacted by the event. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a, a really good holistic set of of um, services there. So, the very last one um, yeah. is is psychological assessment. Just okay. different to psychiatric assessment, but psychological assessment when it comes to um, confirming or ruling out the existence of uh, psychological distress or, or psychological disorders, okay. um, then, then we assess. For example, I have been assessing for depression quite a lot lately. Because depression, based on where I sit, I can see that depression is definitely on the rise in Grenada. Coming out of COVID, I'm assuming is a big factor. Or? Interestingly, even before COVID. Okay. Like Are you life in to... general. Um, I think the fact that we are becoming more and more northernized, Americanized, more individualistic, and people actually have nobody to talk to. Yeah. Um, people are just about 
their business and the community spirit it's it's alive but it has it has suffered many deaths over the years you know um which is something that i believe we've lost and, and because of the, the the link between isolation and depression that people being isolated far more now than before are experiencing depression far more now than before yeah wow is there anything else that you've seen um i guess broadly across grenada so we hear that Again, with the stigma and so on, we hear that um, maybe the younger populations are more receptive. Um, maybe men in general are less receptive. But I've, I've heard to and against that argument or that statement. So what are what are you actually seeing out there in the practice? Interestingly, I am... The variations with, 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 between those populations, it's, it's so marginal that... It's not even that much to talk about. Like young people, middle-aged people, and older people are accessing the service. And when I say young, middle-aged, and older, I'm talking both male and female. Okay? Um, It is really not that I can say, well, I'm seeing women in abundance, and that number is, is... ahead of men by leaps and bones. Um, naturally, there are there are some more women attending. Mm-hmm. But that can also be population. There's not enough to talk about. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's, okay. It's like men are are actually interested in getting this thing done. That's promising. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. And so with the, your practice, is it is it just you or do you have other colleagues with you who also provide right. you services? So just me for now, but that's going to change very soon. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm working on that. Good. All right. Well, all the best with that. Thank you very much. All right. So um, where do you see, I guess this kind of goes into that, that question, where do you see yourself and your career going in the next five, 10 years, what are you hoping for Josh Hector? <laughs> no, that you put it that way, what I hope for Josh Hector. Um, it's, my, my response is so interesting. Um, because, no, by next year, I, I intend to complete my doctorate, right? Um, this is one of those things that, I guess, there were some delays, you know, life is happening. All of this is happening and I'm trying to get this thing done. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, Not sometimes it's, it's, yeah, a lot of things. Sometimes it's, you're just kind of swimming against the tide, mm-hmm. but it's getting done. And um, I anticipate completing this um, by next year. Right. Beyond that, my my plan for myself is is sort of merged to a plan for for Grenada, you know, just the establishment of of a clinic that would allow people to 
access certain um, specialized services locally and and they they would not have to travel overseas right to get uh, specific kinds of assessments and, and diagnoses and even treatments because we do not have the facility or the equipment here um, for me that's the ultimate to, to serve to serve in that way and to, to see people getting the help that they, they need locally. Yeah. What we need. Well, Josh, it's I I truly appreciated this conversation. I think it's much needed. We need to be having more open discussions and talking about mental health and therapy and what's available, what's out there. And I really love everything that you're doing and, and planning to do for Grenada, for the community. Um, and also just normalizing the idea that, you know, life or a career is not a straight path. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 10 years ago, this is not where you thought you would be, right? No way. <laughs> So given all of that, what is a little piece of advice um, maybe that you wish someone had given you when you were younger, let's say 10 years ago? So that bit of advice is, is something that came through a dear friend of mine. Uh, it could have been year before or last year, rather. Um, something that I did not realize I was doing this guy said to me, listen, how often do you hang out with life? How often do you go on a date with life? And I'm like, what, what, did you, what are you talking about? Yeah. And the idea is that life has a way of inviting us to experience and explore certain things, things that we would decide, you know what, this is not for me, or things that we would go, wow, I can't believe I was missing out on this, yeah. right? And we would never know until we say yes and go on that date and, and just have experienced things um, for the sake of, of exploration and for the sake of understanding what our place is in life. Like I would not have known what my place is un unless, well, until rather I said yes to that call. And um, there are so many other things. I said yes to the call of lecturing. I said yes to the call of joining the regional association. See what I'm saying? Like we actually have to say yes to certain things to, to live this holistic life and and so i'd encourage everybody both young and old if you are a bit closed up and, and not interested in things outside of uh the status quo that might not be so good for you um hang out with life go on a date with life and and see what life has to offer i really like that analogy I'm going to steal that. <laughs> so how often do you go on dates with life? No, truth be told, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Easier said than done. 
I won't say easier said than done. I mean, I I do things that. I mean, my 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 pastimes right now, believe it or not, is uh, riding riding a motorcycle, for example, um, spear fishing. You know what I mean? Okay. Like yeah. Um, just exploring things, things that I never would have done before. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, not 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 putting my life at risk in any way, but definitely being open to experience new things. So I still hang out, actually. Good. Good to hear it. Well, I think that's the perfect place to wrap it up right there. Keep listening. We'll be right back after a short break. This season of Pathways is brought to you by Telesford Countertop and General Construction Services, your number one source for quartz and solid surface. Their services are not only limited to countertops, their team builds homes, cabinets, vanities, does 3D images, renovations, and quantity estimates. Telesford Countertop and General Construction Services' mission statement is pride and delivery upon customer satisfaction. Contact them today at 435-0133 to get started on your construction project. Hello, my name is Anthony Benjamin, and I am a university student. I'm Raman. I'm also a university student, but I also work full-time. I do software development, um, have my own personal business, and work as a consultant for a company in Chicago. So first of all, I want to say that I think it's really great that both of you as young males are here to talk about mental health, uh, where we also had a male psychiatrist speaking on the topic. I kind of wish we had a little bit more um, woman power on here (laughs) to get the different sides of the story, but I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. So You'll get the job done. (laughs) Let's get into it. Yeah, I'll just represent all females. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, what is some of your personal uh, experiences, I guess, or your perspective on mental health, specifically in the in Grenada in the Caribbean? We don't really focus m- much on it. I mean, it's like something very foreign to a lot of people, and it's something that's getting like put into a serious spotlight right now. So I think that's a good direction right now mm-hmm. as it relates to mental health. Are you aware of you know places that you can go to get mental health attention or therapy or counseling? or what uh, options are available to you? Yeah, I'm kind of aware that, you know, the professionals exist. Okay. Um, there's that stigma that, you know, nobody wants to go seek mental health. But I, I guess from since I've been little, I've been aware of the existence, mainly because my family is kind of in that network. But, okay. yeah. What about your, like, in your circles or in your friend groups with your colleagues? Is it something that anyone really speaks about that you know of? Yeah, it's something that's being spoken about a lot. I mean, my group, it's mainly a bunch of psychology students. So we were a lot on on this topic. Yeah, a lot of people are going into psychology and that's a good um, step in, that's a step in the right direction. You hear a lot about, you know, either guys don't worry about their mental health or they don't think that they need therapy or just people in general. But talking with Josh, he mentioned that it's, from the side of being a psychiatrist and seeing certain patients from time to time, he hasn't really seen that stigma. So he can't say that, you know, he only sees men or he only sees women. But there is, as you said, the stigma where people don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So 
on the outside, you may say like, oh, nobody goes to therapy, that's for crazy people, blah, 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 and all these negative connotations that we have. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, people are discreetly getting the help that they need. So I guess it's the first step, and it's still a good thing that people are realizing that they may need assistance in different ways and seeking it out, even if they're not ready to share that with the rest of the world yet. (laughs) One thing I thought that was interesting that he spoke about was how he got into the practice. So it was the fact that he started in theology school, a seminary school, Mm -hmm. and from there, which was not something that he wanted to do at all, it was kind of forced on him by his parents. Um, But in the the classes that he did there, he got interested in psychology, and that just stuck with him from that point, and so he ended up going straight into a master's program for psychology after that. Um, And then even when returning home, there was, you know, when you're in, in school, it's like, oh, I'm going to change the world and like all mm-hmm. these great things. And then you come back home and like everything's difficult. It's hard to get a job in your field. And so that happened to him mm-hmm. yeah, at that point where it was just like, well, what do I do now? And he ended up being a full-time musician for three years because it's something that he always did and it was making money at the time. Mm-hmm. So he left the profession completely for a while and he only got back into it because he met so a random SQ professor at one of his gates who said, hey, I heard you're a psychology major, come see me. And that launched him into his career as a psychologist in Grenada. So he started off doing employee assistance programs for the public service, which I didn't even know that was an option in Grenada. Like I've experienced employee assistance programs in the US, which were really beneficial mm-hmm. as a starting point, I feel like. That's how I started going to therapy because it was free with the health mm-hmm. benefits. It's like, oh, let me try this out. Um, so that was something that was offered in the public service. And then from there, he started getting more clients and then eventually developed his business that he has today, which is called Optimal Solutions. Based on that trajectory, I thought that it was very interesting because it's something that we keep seeing and, and yeah, with some, all the different yeah, guests it's, like yeah, yeah it's something yeah it's something common yeah you go into a field and then you find something that you like and then you build on it and then you come back you're not sure and then something happens and then everything just blows out mm-hmm. you know it's just like chance opportunities almost that get you into the next step and the next step and even though at the time you don't realize what's happening and you look back and you're like Mm-hmm. This all made sense to get yeah. me where I am today, and it's good that he had like a other hob- other like hobby that he could do, mm-hmm. and through that he actually met somebody through that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to you know diverse your sources of income, kind of like sidestepping into the next topic. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think everybody should you know do something that they like. That's passion. If you can make money from it, that's like a big that's plus. A plus. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that came up in the discussion was the idea of kind of the the general vibe of society, I guess, Mm -hmm. today. And something that he mentioned that I didn't realize was a thing that was happening is that uh, he's seeing a lot of depression just across the board. And so I immediately thought it was, you know, COVID and all of that because Mm -hmm. he's been through a depressing time. But he said even before that, he's seen that a lot of people are just depressed and it may stem from different, you know, things, whether it's family situations or just general um, well-being, financial well-being and so on, that is causing this 
overarching negative emotion across the whole country. Yeah. What What do you think about that? Based on certain things that I've seen, I've noticed that some people don't realize that they're depressed and they're depressed for a long time until they seek attention mm -hmm. and that helps they come back and say okay this uh, this helped me and so on so the thing is i believe that that's probably the case like so many people are depressed all the time but like they don't have like like they haven't really they don't have the out, language yeah, to yeah. To, yeah, they yeah. don't have the language to express that. And I think that goes depressed. back to, I guess, mental health education. Because that that is true. I think across the Caribbean, and maybe you can expand and see, like, in Black culture globally, we're kind of grown up to think that we have to just deal with things and go mm -hmm. through it. And, you know, that's Accept like, things as they are. Right. Yeah. And so you could be in the worst funk and... You're just like, yeah. That's just life. Like, like, yeah, that's just life. Yeah. You gotta get through it. And you could literally be... Because these mental health issues are actual issues. Like, you can be diagnosed as clinically depressed or anxious. Mm -hmm. And that affects so many different things in your life. Yeah. And just not having the words. Because you might feel like, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go to yeah. work and for the days, weeks on end. Yeah, and the burnout really hits you when, when that, that happens. Huh? Mm -hmm. I mean, two weeks at a time, you can't be working. Like, you don't feel like, like so. Yeah. yeah. And it's really hard to get out of. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult, like, you know, when you have a cut, you know, you put on a band-aid. You know, people, like regular health people, know how to address it. But when it comes to mental, we don't know how to recognize that we need help. That's just the first thing. Right. And then I think we're more, we're more knowledgeable of, like, getting it but it's still there that stigma of like this is life you know mm -hmm. it is what it is mm -hmm. talking about it more which i'm hearing it more in different circles like on podcasts or on the news or um in different groups you're seeing people start to talk about the importance of mental health and so on and i guess like everything it's going to take some time to really catch on at least i'm hearing about it more in the younger groups coming up and from josh's perspective it's not just the youth, but it's also older folks who are also seeking help when they when they feel that they need it. So I guess, and something that was interesting to me and that I really liked is that his company, Optimal Solutions, they actually offer a wide range of, of services, whether it's like family um, counseling or one-on-one -on -one or grief counseling. So just having people know what's out there and available to them um, I think it's like the first step in in helping people okay. to recognize and cope with their situation. Yeah, I didn't realize when he was going through all the services that his business offered, I was kind of impressed. I was like, yeah. I knew we had like counselors and psychologists here, but mm -hmm. I didn't realize we had like these specialized hand people that could handle these situations. Right. Specifically. Very yeah. Going back to like black culture mm -hmm. and things like just accepting life, that really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a Kendrick stan, you know, I love Kendrick Lamar. Mm -hmm. His latest album, what is it called again? Mr. Round the Big Steppers. It's basically like a therapy album. Yeah. That's the theme of the album. Yeah, yeah it's going through sessions of him talking, uh -huh. like dealing with toxic issues in his mm -hmm. life. Yeah. yeah, I noticed that from that album as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, 
talking about that okay the toxicity in like uh, there was this one that was probably the only song i listened to right now because i didn't get time but it was talking about the toxicity in like the a black couple and so on like you know and even though they cussing each other out i mean they still get back together after a while yeah yeah i mean they probably need uh, like counseling for that though yeah yeah it's kind of a toxic relationship yeah. On that topic, I was having this discussion with like at least two different groups of people in the past week about people who are just so used to toxic situations that it's the norm to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's so unfortunate because you get that a lot whether you know you grew up in an abusive household or you're just in these negative environments where people are constantly arguing with each other or, you know, like speaking negatively on you mm-hmm. and so on and then it comes to a point where you feel like if if you're not receiving that negative energy then something's wrong yeah, yeah. and that is crazy <laughs> so they're not accustomed to good things i mean yeah and when it becomes a normality yeah, and yeah. then it leads to self-sabotage and so on yeah and that causes even deeper issues that you know create unhealthy situations in life in general in society yeah, that's why we need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, with Kendrick and so on, I think a lot of, like, celebrities are are really on the forefront of, like, bringing it as an issue. Like, yeah. before, I saw, like, a bunch of songs basically about mental health, like, starting with um, probably X, XXS, Tentacion, um, Soul and so on. Like, he had a lot of songs on mental health. Then Juice Will. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are young guys, and they were basically bringing out mental health and so on. So I think that was a plus, and yeah. so on. Mm-hmm. And now we have like other rappers like Kendrick that's basically been doing this for a long time. I mean, but yeah, that album was just something icing on the cake for it, and so on. So yeah, I think like we have a lot of resources for mental health, like bef- more than before. Yeah. Something that I specifically wanted to bring up with with Josh, and we talked about it a little bit, was the idea of the small community that we are in Mm -hmm. in the island, uh, where you might, even if you do go to a therapist, you have to see that person all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. in a bigger country, if you go to a therapist, you you just have that one relationship and you never have to see them Mm -hmm. anywhere else. But the idea that you're going to someone telling them your whole life story and everything, and then um, you have to see them on the road, yeah. see them in the grocery store, you see them at church, and it become it can become it can be a deterrent to some people because they want to separate themselves from from that relationship or interaction. And he was very you know reassuring in the fact that there's a certain understanding, there's certain ethics and so on that goes with it where. You're not gonna just have your business on the street, mm-hmm. of course, and also you have a understanding between patient and doctor confidentiality. that is confidential, and that you're not gonna meet in town and start talking about what you talk about in sessions. Mm-hmm. So that's important for people to understand. Also, the fact that if you're not interested mm-hmm. in or not comfortable with going to a psychiatrist or a therapist, you can seek out other options. Mm-hmm. Because there's religious people, mm-hmm. you know, there's pastors and so on in our different churches and different communities which we may be more comfortable with in our, you know, Christian 
community that you can reach out to, licensed counselors and so on, who would be able to guide you and also from the faith-based perspective, if that's something that you're looking for. So I think that's important for people listening to understand that it's not just one thing or one option, but you have many different options in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even um, even if you're like you're antisocial and you really don't want to see somebody, there's mm-hmm. some apps out there like Wiser. That's like a mental yeah. health app where you help. Wiser. W Y S A. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's also better help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that one connects you to like somebody remotely, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, there's. It's all virtual. Yeah, you could do virtual visits or talk to like a um a chat bot <laughs> just you know sometimes it helps just to chat you know yeah knowing that to be out i'll share my personal experience on that a little bit um mm-hmm. i haven't used better help or anything but i used to think that like seeing a psychiatrist virtually would be weird mm-hmm. <laughs> and that it would it wouldn't be the same as in person but uh, full disclosure when i started therapy which was not in Grenada um but I started in person and then COVID hit and so we had to transition to virtual and it was actually kind of just the same to, to be fair we had built a relationship in person mm-hmm. at first mm-hmm. so that probably makes it different um but it can be just as beneficial just having someone to talk to even though it's over a call yeah um and it's something that we do all the time now because of COVID you're used to being on Zoom with your friends and family so it can be an option to look into if you don't want, you know, someone local or someone that you know to talk to. Yeah. And the point is just talking helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking. Even if it's your friends, talking mm-hmm. helps. Like sometimes you just want to rant. Sometimes I just call yeah. my friend from like, yeah, so, so I need to spill this. <laughs> yeah, no, like I have some friends like, yo, like sometimes I will be the one that they ran to and I'll be like, okay, yeah, just let it, just let it go to me. Yeah, just yeah. let it go. And then they're good after. I right. Mean, yeah. Sometimes so, you just need somebody to rant to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that's another thing. It's important to have friends yeah. in your life who you feel like you can talk to. And sometimes, I'm going to get like very philosophical, but sometimes it, it's like you have to, maybe you have to be the one to create that safe space for people. Because you might have really close friends, but you never really have spoken on that level or that kind of um, emotional nature and so they would be like oh I don't know if I could talk to my friends about this Mm -hmm. but everybody in that group might be like man I just want somebody to talk to (laughs) (laughs) and as soon as somebody breaks the ice and it's like yo I need to talk about what I'm going through then everyone just starts coming up with yeah they, add, yeah they add to it yeah and so somebody just needs to start it yeah and, yeah, okay. and everybody's just like okay cool I'll, I'll put in this and i'll put in this and then at the end of the conversation everybody is in a better place mentally because mm-hmm. yeah. i think we have this vibe in in societies where you feel like you always have to be your best self for everybody that you're around yeah mm-hmm. and it can be difficult because Sometimes you're just not, you're not okay. <laughs> and yeah. you, it's not that you don't want to interact with people, but you want to be able to share with them what you're going through. Yeah. It's like, that brings up like two thoughts. Yeah. The first one is like being your best self. Like, I feel like that's amplified today with like social media, you know, like mm-hmm. Instagram, you know, there's that phrase, is it Instagram worthy? <laughs> is it yeah. good enough for me to not be judged by others? <laughs> so there's that. And then, 
I feel like when it's like that one-on-one, when you're being personal with people, there's also that, I feel like personally for me, I don't know if this is for everyone else, like I don't want to share my problems because I don't want to be a burden Mm -hmm. on this other person, right? Like Mm -hmm. I know they're probably dealing with a million Mm -hmm. things. So like me expressing myself to you about all the issues I'm having could just be like draining on you. So yeah, that that builds up more anxiety. I think that's yeah. why it's important to have this, the safe spaces. People yeah. that you know that, you know, because it happens a lot. It's happened to me too, whether it's me or a friend, where we're in a situation and it's like, I have a lot going on. They have yeah, a lot going lot. on. And one of us might go to the other and be like, like, if you have time, I could just need to call. I just need to rant about some stuff. And it's like, okay, you can you can then set yourself aside and be like, all right, I'm going to forget my worries for a little bit and just hear because sometimes you don't have to do anything about it it's just listening mm-hmm. and, and being able to bounce your thoughts off of someone and let them like feel that you're not crazy because of what you're thinking and that's the other thing just realizing that your emotions are valid mm-hmm. and having other people sometimes be able to validate your emotions mm-hmm. so not just be like oh you know you'll be fine like, that's not a big problem or, you know, there's so many other people going through worse things. Like, yes, but still, I'm going through something right now. Mm-hmm. And this is how I feel about it, to, to feel a certain way about something, even though it's not the end of the world, but it still is affecting you in this moment. Mm-hmm. I do think that it's some, I wish that there were more outlets for people to talk about, talk freely about their feelings and things like that in general. So I'm glad that you all humored me a little bit today and were able to add some insight to the conversation. Thanks for having us. No problem. And to the listeners, thank you for joining us on today's Pathway. Thanks so much for listening. We would absolutely appreciate your comments and feedback as we try to make this podcast more beneficial for you, our listeners and watchers. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Please take a minute to press the review button, let us know how we're doing, and let others know that this is something that's worth their time. We also love to see your comments and engagement on social media, so head over to the post and let us know what you think about this latest episode.